When avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see benefits. You have to make sure that you see the benefits in doing something good. And the only way to see the benefits in doing something good is understanding what is it that I gain by doing this. When I go to the gym, physical health is at stake, mental health is at stake, emotional health is at stake. My mood for the day is at stake. My energy levels are at stake. Welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for those who are always here supporting and sharing. And more importantly, thank you for taking time and energy out of your schedule. I appreciate your time, your energy, your attention. I really do. Thank you. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe, leave us a review. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world for the podcast. And quite honestly, it means the world to me as well. Again, I appreciate your support more than anything else in the world when it comes to the podcast. That is, thank you. Today's episode, I want to circle back around the topic of habits because I've been reading into it a bit and I thought it'd be insightful to share but before that of course as always gotta share a little update on what I've been up to and then we'll dive into the episode. So the update for today and what's been on my mind is Stephen Bartlett released his latest book called The Diary of a CEO The 33 Laws of Business and Life. It's a great book. I have not finished reading it. I've only just started, but it is such a good book. I highly recommend. I loved Stephen's first book and I just knew I was going to love his second book as well. And I wanted to share a bit about what's in the book. And I'll share the first law with you all. Again, I haven't finished reading the whole book, so I'm still getting through all the laws in the book. I think I am on law seven or eight, I think. So I've, I've read through law seven or eight, I think. But I'll share with you law one and I'll share what, what is in it and the thoughts that it sparked in me. So the first law was about fill your five buckets in the right order. And the whole idea behind that law is to explain how we effectively have five buckets in life that we fill for ourselves. Those buckets are knowledge, skills, network, resources, and reputation. So knowledge is what do you know? Skills is what can you do? Resources is what do you have? Network is who do you know? And reputation is, what does the world think of you? That's effectively the statements underlying those buckets. And he goes on to explaining that most of us fill those buckets in the wrong order. He goes on to saying that the first two buckets are actually the most important ones, right? So what can you do and... What do you know? Oh, the other way around, sorry. What do you know and what can you do? Those are the most important ones. 
as he goes on and explains. And the reason why is because what you know, your knowledge, and what you can do, your skills, are effectively things that cannot be taken away from you. That's one of the things, first of all. like People could take away your network, your resources, even your reputation, but they cannot take away your knowledge and your skills. Those are things that you have tangible control over. And then the second point from that is, when you have knowledge and you apply it, you turn it into skills. Skills then lead to the remaining three buckets, which is the reputation, the resources, the network. Those things come once you have the knowledge and the skills. So notice how making sure you fill the first two buckets first, naturally by extension leads to filling the other three buckets that come after. When you have the knowledge and the skills, you gain more resources, you grow your network, and you build more of a reputation. All of those are extensions, they're byproducts, they're effects of focusing on knowledge and skills first. But we tend to do it the other way around. If you think about it, how many times have you taken a job because it pays a lot of money, i.e. resources, or because of a job title, i.e. reputation, and you don't even have the knowledge or the skills to do that job well in the first place. So notice how we tend to do things in the wrong order or the other way around. And the safest way to guarantee that you can build a network, grow your resources and build a reputation is by making sure you first acquire the knowledge and then you apply it to build it into skills. Again, you have control over those things. So I found it really interesting. He goes on to say that our egos is was clouding our logic, i.e. Because our ego is a driver and a cloud, and this is in my words, a driver. What I mean by driver is our ego drives us to make decisions that not necessarily align with us and also not always making sense for us. And then a cloud, which is what Stephen was on about, is we don't see the big picture, the long-term picture. Get everything stripped away from you, but you still have your knowledge and your skills. Whereas... If you try to do it the other way around and you don't have the knowledge and the skills, when you lose those other things, you basically have nothing in any of your buckets. And so I think it's really, really important to try and focus on acquiring as much knowledge as you can, but also on applying as much knowledge as you can. Because when people say knowledge is power, I disagree. I don't think knowledge is power. I think applied knowledge is power. Or you could even argue that knowledge is power, but applied knowledge is powerful. That's how I see it. Because if you are learning, and truly, you're only truly learning if you're applying. I don't think you could claim that you've learned something if you haven't actually applied it. But that's a separate discussion. But the whole gist of law one of the book is to try and get you to focus on the right buckets because that's going to affect your ability to achieve your goals, to 
attain success, to retain success. I think a lot of us tend to get lost in that pathway over there where maybe you can attain success, but can you retain it? And what do you need to retain success? Well, ideally you need all those buckets filled, but the first two surely need to have a lot more filling in them. And there's a whole bunch of thoughts that I had around this, but this is kind of what I wanted to share with you, is this idea that really and truly knowledge and skills is more important and everything else comes by extension. So if you have this in mind going forward, you can way more easily make yourself more successful and make yourself more intentional about how you go about your life. Now on to today's episode. I have finished reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now for those who know me, I'm not big on reading, okay? I am not big on reading books. However, I'm making a conscious effort to start reading more because I obviously understand the benefits and advantages of reading and books are an immensely insane source of knowledge. So I'm trying my best to read books. So I just finished Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is a book that honestly, the amount of hype behind the book is insane. I generally was curious to see what the hype was all about. And, and I can confirm that the book is insane. It's actually really good. It's really well written. It's got loads of images and figures so it's not you know it's not one of those books where it's loads of text and then there's nothing to break that no this has got a good mixture of text figures illustrations images i don't know it's, it's just the way the book is structured is pretty good i i, I really really like it and the content is really good as well i cannot like Sometimes is when you see on social media like something being hyped, you almost have this like innate thought behind behind your mind where it's like, mm, is this book really as good as people say it is? And so it's good that when you actually read it, it's like, well, yeah, this book is as good as everyone makes it out to be and as everyone talks about it to be. So good news on that on that end that the book was not only what people said it was, it was definitely something that exceeded my expectations in a good way. James Clear talks about how to create good habits and how to break bad habits. And he sort of divides the book into four laws. <laughs> it's funny because you, you, you hear the concept of law a lot in books, right? It's interesting. I just noticed that as I said it. But yeah, so this book has got four laws and James Clear calls it the four laws of behavior change. I believe that that's what it was. Yeah, four laws of behavior change. And the first law is to make it obvious. The second law is to make it attractive. The third law is to make it easy. And the fourth law is to make it satisfying. So in order to create good habits, and don't worry, we're going to go a little bit in depth 
on each of them, but in just a moment. But in order to create a good habit, you have to make sure you make it obvious, which is the first law of behavior change. You have to make sure you make it attractive, which is the second law of behavior change. You have to make sure it, you make it easy, which is the third law of behavior change. And you have to make sure that you make it satisfying, which is the fourth law of behavior change. Now, the inversion of this would be how to break a bad habit. So there's four laws, or in this case, four inversions of each of the laws that would then lead to the outcome of breaking a habit. So the inversion of the first law is to make it invisible. And again, we try and, this is for breaking habits, make it invisible. The inversion of the second law is to make it unattractive. The inversion of the third law is to make it difficult. And the inversion of the fourth law is to make it unsatisfying. So if you want to create a good habit, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy and make it satisfying. If you want to break a bad habit, make it invisible, make it unattractive, make it difficult, make it unsatisfying. Now, I'm going to briefly and in a summary explain the techniques and tools shared for each of the laws and you can make what you want of it. If you have read the book, then maybe this will be a bit of a recap. If you haven't, then this will be new insights, hopefully for you. So in the make it obvious, when you want to create a good habit, make it obvious, there is this habits scorecard, which effectively is a tool where just write down all of your habits. Most of us are not aware of our habits. And that was the point with, with this is write down all of your habits. That's what the habits scorecard is. This way you become aware of them. When you're aware of them, it's obvious to you what is good and what isn't. Then there was this other strategy called implementation intentions. This is effectively trying to be more intentional with, with your desires and your, your will. So rather than saying, I'm going to the gym, be specific. I am going to the gym at 6 a.m., in my gym down the street called ABC. The framework is I will behavior at time in location. I will go to the gym at 6 a.m. in town. The other technique and tool that was shared was habit stacking, which is pretty cool. So habit stacking is after current habit, I will new habit, which is pretty cool because you're basically just making one of your habits a cue for the next habit. After current habit, I will new habit. After I finish eating breakfast, I will go for a walk. After I finish my lunch, I will go for a walk. Like it's, it's, it's pretty cool because one habit naturally leads to the other because it serves as a cue. And the last strategy shared on this was 
design your environment. Make the cues of good habits obvious and visible, which I think is really important, right? So if I'm trying to go to the gym, I need to make sure that I have my gym bag ready and I have it in, in front of me, next to me, somewhere where it's obvious for me to then make sure I go to the gym. Because if I don't have the stuff that I need to go to the gym, then I'm more likely not to go to the gym. So I make sure that I have my gym bag ready each night for the, for the next morning so that when I wake up in the morning, the gym bag is literally next to me. Right? It's literally there. I know where it is. It's very visible, very obvious. And I know that's a cue for me to go to the gym. Second law is to make it attractive. And the strategies that were shared here was use temptation bundling, which means you pair an action you want to do with an action you need to do. So this is interesting because this is combining something that you need with something that you want. Let's say you want to go to the gym and do some cardio. Yeah, let's say that you want to go on the treadmill or rather you need to go on the treadmill. Let's say you want to watch a TV show. So watching the TV show is what you want. Going on the treadmill is what you need. You could go on the treadmill and watch the TV show whilst you're on the treadmill. That way you're doing something that you need alongside something that you want. Cool, isn't it? The next strategy on this lot was join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. So this was interesting because this was about looking for a tribe in a way. So joining some sort of group where the desired behavior is the normal behavior. So if you join gym classes, the desired behavior, i.e. getting fit, is the normal behavior because that's what everyone's there for and that's what everyone's doing. So joining places where you have more people around you that have the same goal helps because it, it makes it attractive because you're not alone. The next strategy in this law was create a motivational, not motivational, sorry, create a motivation ritual. Effectively do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. And this will help you ease into the difficult habit. So if you have to do something difficult, make sure you do something that you enjoy immediately before it. If I have to go to the gym and lift heavy weights, I make sure I go for a nice walk before it because I enjoy it. The third law of behavior change is make it easy. And there's a couple of strategies that were shared. Reduce friction. I decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits. So the more steps you have between you and your good habits, the less likely you are to actually execute and create good habits. So if you're trying to eat healthy, make sure that you've done your shopping and make sure that you have healthy food available on display. If you don't, then you're more likely to go for a takeaway because you don't have any food, right? So reduce the number of steps, decrease the number of steps, reduce the friction between you and your good habits. Another strategy here was prime 
the environment, prepare your environment to make future actions easier. This is what I, I love about this. It's when you make sure that your environment is primed for future actions to be easier, you know that you are on your way to creating a good habit. Think of it this way. If every time you wanted to go to the gym, you had to go look for your shoes, it's not really priming your environment, it's wasting time. Whereas if you make sure your shoes are somewhere visible and obvious and easy to access, then you can easily put them on and go to the gym. And I know I'm giving loads of fitness and health examples and by no means does this book only focus or even focus on fitness examples. There's actually just examples that I'm giving. The book is so much more extensive and there's a lot of research and in-depth content. So don't just take this episode as it is. Go read the book. It's actually insane. I'm just giving fitness examples because it's easier. But back to the point, the next strategy here is master the decisive moment. I optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact. The, the, the concept of the decisive moment means there are small decisions that we make throughout the day that either enhance our day or hinder our day. For example, if I don't go gym in the morning at 6am, the rest of my day is just, I don't know, there's something off about the rest of my day. So in the morning when I wake up and I have this micro decision to make, should I get out of bed and go to the gym or should I stay in bed and be comfortable? I choose to go to the gym and get out of bed because I know that I'm going to feel so much better for the rest of the day. So you have to master the decisive moment because that small choice delivers an outsized impact. That one minute choice literally sets me up for the rest of the day or not. So yeah, use the two minute rule. Downscale your habits until they can be done in two minutes or less. This is an interesting concept that has been said a lot before, but people don't quite understand what the point is. The two minute rule is basically saying any habit that you're trying to create, just do two minutes of it. If you're trying to read a book, just read one page, right? It'll take two minutes or whatever, two pages, however, however long it takes you to read uh, for two minutes. If you're trying to create a habit of meditation, meditate for two minutes. If you're trying to go into the treadmill and get into cardio, do two minutes. Now, for a lot of you listening to this, it might sound kind of pointless to read one page of a book or meditate for one minute, right? It sounds kind of pointless. Like, what is that really doing? Well, there's two things here. What it's doing is it's creating the idea that you are who you say you are, which is, if I say I'm going to do something, I show up and do it. You reading one page is you showing up. You meditating for one minute is you showing up. The point is to show up and eventually you're not just going to do it for two minutes because you're going to want to do more. So the the idea is getting you to show up and then getting you to show out and automate your habits. Invest in technology and one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. This is a wonderful, wonderful strategy. So an example of this is I love using technology where I can to automate stuff. So 
I have a subscription tracker to track all my finances so I know when I have payments for bills due. And that really helps me. Imagine if every time I had to go look for it and find out. That way I have something already automated to make sure that I stick to the habit of paying bills on time. The fourth law of behavior change is make it satisfying. Use reinforcement. Give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit. Yes, I like this a lot. So as soon as you complete a habit, give yourself an immediate reward because this reinforces you to repeat the habit. If you don't reward yourself, there's no way you're going to repeat the habit or it's very unlikely that you repeat the habit. But if you give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit, then you're more likely to repeat the habit. Make, no- make doing nothing enjoyable. When avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see benefits. You have to make sure that you see the benefits in doing something good. And the only way to see the benefits in doing something good is understanding what is it that I gain by doing this. When I go to the gym, physical health is at stake, mental health is at stake, emotional health is at stake. My mood for the day is at stake. My energy levels are at stake. So I understand the benefits that I get from that habit that makes it more satisfying just knowing. Use a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. For those of you who know or don't know, I'm doing the 75 hard challenge and I have five things that I have to do every single day. I have actually created a habit tracker on Notion. Again, technology is beautiful. And I literally track that I'm doing everything. And it's pretty cool. It's a great way to keep the streak and also to not break the chain. I have it filled with boxes and ticks and I don't want to be the one who ruins that streak. So having a habit track is actually quite helpful. And the last one, the last strategy here for the last law of behavior change is never miss twice. When you forget to do a habit, make sure you get back on track immediately. So this is very important because you can miss your habit one time and you can still get back on track the next day. But normally, if you miss it two days in a row, you are more likely to not continue or to not stick with the habit. Really interesting, isn't it? Now, I would love to talk about the inversions of of the laws and the strategies attached to it. But I will save that for the next episode. So the next episode will be about the inversion of the laws of behavior change. Today, I just wanted to give you a quick summary of the tools and strategies shared on the laws of behavior change, on how to create a good habit. Next episode, I'll share the inversion of the laws of behavior change for how to break a bad habit. And I just want to make a clear point and a note that what I'm sharing is such a brief, succinct summary of the strategies and the points touched and the examples are my own, but I want you to know that the book is packed with a lot of in-depth value and detail and it really goes deep into the psychology and the human behavioral science, underlying decisions and underlying 
anything related to creating habits or breaking habits. So I highly recommend you go read it. Thank you so much for listening. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe, leave us a review. And please know that that small gesture of following or subscribing or reviewing means the world to the podcast. Thank you. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to listen to the next one to find out what's up and what's next.